card out, drop it in the offering plate. We'll read it at the beginning of the service tonight. All right. There will be a second offering today for the, uh, for the building fund. Uh, second offering for the building fund a little bit later. Uh, the first offering, of course, is our regular tithes and offerings. We skipped it last week. We let you put it in if you needed to, but we had quite a few that asked about it, so we'll do it again today. Michael's got the announcements. Come on around, Michael. Good morning. Great to see everyone this morning. We want to remember uh, that this week is Jubilee, right? We've got that. We understand we've been announcing it. We're looking forward to it. So this week we've got special uh, speakers all throughout the week, special services. Make sure you're here. They're going to be a blessing, uh, and we want you to be here each night. Uh, I want. I got a couple of things that have changed. The youth group cornhole tournament, we are going to postpone that for right now. Uh, we have a lot going on uh, next weekend here at the church, so... That's going to be postponed. Uh, and then uh, don't forget the other things that are in here. Make sure you get it. If you have a high point, you're a young person with a high point form, please make sure that you give those to Becky. Uh, give them to us as soon as possible. That would be really great so we can make sure we're getting that all squared away. Uh, and then the ladies' fall retreat October 13th through 14th. And then I got a couple of special announcements that I want to make uh, so that we can kind of look a little bit into the future in the fall of what we're doing. A couple years ago, uh, before COVID and everything, we did trunk or treat, and we still have done trunk or treat, but a couple years ago, something unusual happened in that we did our trunk or treat on a Tuesday night. It looked like the next night or two nights later was going to be Halloween. It was going to rain that night, and all of a sudden, everybody that was going to go trick or treating ended up at our trunk or treat, and we had 500 people in the parking lot going around we were running to dollar general to buy candy and we were like and some people were like this is crazy and i was going this is awesome right because here are all these people that were coming to our church meeting our people well we want to make that happen again uh we want to make trunk or treat a huge event we're going to have bounce houses. We're going to have hay rides. We're going to have candy apples. We're going to have all of these things that we want to promote to the community so that they'll come and be here uh, on that evening with us. But we know that takes a lot of help. So we've got sign-up sheets out there for trunk or treat, whether you want to decorate a trunk, decorate your truck, whatever it is. And then we've got sign-up sheets to help out. We really want to know what kind of participation we're going to have by October 7th so we can really put that planning all together. So you can come and see Allison. You can come and see Becky. You could come and see me or Daryl. And we'll make sure coming and seeing me and Daryl might be a little iffy, right? <laughs> Go see Becky. Go see Allison. April 2, yep. And, and they will make sure that they know that, but you can also sign up. I really believe that this is an amazing opportunity for us to impact the community. And you know what? I really believe, too, if we see something that works and, and, and is being participated by well, let's just go after it. Let's do it bigger and better. VBS is that way. The community participates. We want to just keep making that bigger and bigger. So let's do this as well with this event. So help us out with that. And then another special announcement that I'm really excited about as well is we're going to have a class that uh, Brian and Shannon Comley are going to facilitate. They did an amazing job with financial peace. And those that went to financial peace 
loved those classes. They were amazing. But they're going to facilitate another class called Love and Logic. This is really directed towards uh, families with young children. It's a great way of disciplining your children and just doing it in a godly way, in a loving way, and in a logical way. And these classes are amazing. I use them all the time at the pregnancy center with dads uh, and just help the, helping them to be a part of the discipline in the home as well. And so they're going to start, and we did this on purpose, they're going to start on September the 19th. That's a Tuesday night. So when you come and drop your kids off, to uh, Discovery Club or Youth Group. You can just move right over into the class and join them. It'll be about 6.45 on Tuesday nights, running for several weeks. So that'll start on September the 19th. You don't even really need to sign up. Just show up that first night. We'll start to see what kind of interest we have. But I'm telling you, if you've got any questions about it, you can come and ask me. I have taught this class a bunch, and it is absolutely worth it. So if you're a family with young children, uh, and maybe sometimes you think them kids are winning, right? You ever felt like that? Mom and dad, it's us against them, and they're winning, right? Well, come on out. We believe we got some stuff that will help with that. So we appreciate that. All right, this morning we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Amen. It's Billy Brown's anniversary today. They've been married 35 years. Billy said that Cindy's a lucky lady. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Billy, will you ask some blessing on Everybody stay. Oh, 
was a phrase that I, that I read in the Bible, of all places, this week. Um, and it's just been sticking with me. And it's, the Lord rebuke you. And, and both times I saw it mentioned in the Bible, it's in response to Satan, because Satan is speaking a lie. And then I just got to thinking about how often Satan speaks lies into our hearts. You're not good enough. You're not loved. You're on the outs. What you believe isn't true. Don't believe the preacher. Believe the school teacher or the college professor because they're educated. You don't have to give your heart to Jesus. You don't have to follow Jesus. You're, you're good just like you are. And we believe these lies from Satan. And we can declare, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I recognize that that isn't of God. I recognize the games you're trying to play Satan on me. And we aren't participating in that. And then I see about how when there's a battle and Satan's attacking, the first thing that happens in the Bible is that they pray. They go to God with that thing. So they declare, Satan, we ain't messing with you. We ain't playing your games. We re the Lord rebuke you. Not we rebuke, the Lord rebuke Satan. And we take it to God. And we say, God, protect my mind. God, protect my heart. God, protect my house. Protect my family. Protect the gospel. Let the gospel go forth. Protect our church. That's just been in my heart this week. And I don't know what you're dealing with, what Satan's lying to you about, what you're swept up in, what he's distracting you in because of his lies. But you can declare, Satan, the Lord rebuke you today. And you can take it to Jesus and you can speak the name that is greater than any other name. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess it the name of Jesus. He told us that if we run to him, he said the righteous, if the righteous run to him, they'll protect us. He's our strong tower. That we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus that loves us. I want to speak the name of Jesus.
I don't believe in fairy tales I guess I've outgrown them But that doesn't mean that I don't believe That yes. there's something bigger than me Cause I've seen it in the hospital room Where the doctor said sorry There's nothing more we can do but it wasn't through. I've never seen a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But I've got a promise that I can hold in the middle of the struggle. That God, if you said it, you'd perform it. It may not be how I want you to. But here's what I'll do. I'm gonna wait on you. I know you've ordered every step. Yes, you are the author. There's no predicting what is next, because you hold the future. And all the questions, they come second to the one I know is true. Because you'll always be true. I'm going to wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. 
to be so hard just to lift up my hands real liberty was something i just didn't understand i was bound by circumstances only god knew about but i left them at the altar now i can say without a doubt
right. All right, we're ready to kick off Jubilee uh, with uh, Brother Cody Ladner bringing us the message this morning. I want you to pray for him. Uh, he's a long way from Mississippi, and uh, but uh, he's uh, he's been a great friend to the ministry. He's uh, spent a lot of time working on the boat, uh, and we appreciate that. He's also spent some time hosting uh, GPA missionaries and uh, given us a, a, just a wonderful opportunity to get to know him. So, Brother Cody, you come on around, bring the message as the Lord's laid on your heart. All right. Well, hadn't the Lord been so good to us this morning already? Amen. I'm going to need a little bit more help now. Y'all smile. The, the choir's done singing, and they've done a great job. And, uh, boy, I appreciate that good singing. The Lord's uh, met with me already in the singing. Now, hadn't the Lord been good to us? Amen. That's better. We're getting there. And, and uh, praise the Lord. I sure enjoyed that. Uh, uh, those verses that came to mind in my heart was in Philippians, as that first song had mentioned. Uh, God had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then it reminded me over in Acts chapter 4 where they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus is handling the services this morning. And I've already spoke with them, and they're excited, and they're praying for us, and they're praying for your meeting this week. Brother Gary, they're praying for y'all, and so uh, pray the Lord helps. So 2 Samuel chapter number 9, everybody there say amen. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machar, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shalt till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. And then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Let's pray. 
this morning. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. God, I pray that you'd search your hearts and you'd find any iniquity that might reside in and of us this morning. Cleanse us and forgive us. Make us a fit vessel for your word and for the work of God this morning. We need you now. God, to help us. Lord, I need you more than I can I need myself. Lord, I need you more than the very breath that I breathe. God, more than the very blood that pumps through my veins. God, I need a breath and a touch from another world. So God, help these folks in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I came into Sunday school and the Sunday school teacher said, Now let's stand and for honor and reverence to the word of the Lord. And I knew I was in a good place and good company. Then he made several instances of mentioning the King James Bible. And I said, Well, I just feel at home. Amen. And uh, he said, we believe the Bible, and we, if you don't believe it, see me after. I was wanting to see him just to see what he could help me with, amen. <laughs> and uh, boy, I appreciate folks taking a stand on the Bible and the Word of God. Then the sensitivity to the Spirit already this morning. Thank the Lord for it. And I'm going to try to emphasize a picture, a shadow of salvation as seen in Mephibosheth this morning. And maybe you can draw a line of relation to Mephibosheth and see where you once were as well. And uh, may the Lord help us this morning. We come to our passage and we see that David has now uh, came to the throne. He's now seated at the throne in Jerusalem and he is the king of Israel. He is there now as Saul and Jonathan have both died. You can find that prior. I believe it's in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel how they died there. And it goes on to tell us uh, David's taken back some things. He's brought the ark back home to Zion. There's rejoicing that's taking place. And he begins to be mindful of uh, days gone by, of a pastime, if you will, of, uh, of what's happened in his life. And he recalls the memory some things. And he is mindful of Jonathan, his friend. And uh, boy, ain't you glad for friends in the ministry, for folks you can relate to and, and be uh, iron that sharpens iron together, folks that can pray together. I noticed our brothers uh, earlier reaching and calling and waving for somebody to come down and pray. And ain't that wonderful to have somebody to pray with this morning. And so it is that they had a unique relationship, Jonathan did, even past his father uh, Saul's uh, bidding. He said, don't have anything to do with him, but Jonathan knew that David was God's man. Ain't it good to side with God's man? Amen. And it is good to be saved this morning. It is good to be underneath the umbrella of the local church and have a pastor that you can side with, even if it does go against your family. Know that Jesus came and he came to separate some things. You see that in the New Testament. And here Jonathan and Saul is uh, passed away and David's ascended and he's mindful of those things. He's mindful of those arrows that were shot to the field in 1 Samuel chapter number 20. He's mindful of, uh, of that, uh, that covenant that was made and he's mindful of all these things. We see Mephibosheth. We come to this passage and we see salvation as seen in Mephibosheth. He is uh, the son of Jonathan and he is down in Lodibar. He is uh, uh, in uh, in of his own self, uh, has no ability to come back to the throne nor to take the throne. And he shouldn't try it anyway, right? 
David's God's man. And, uh, and so uh, Jonathan has died. Now Mephibosheth's down in Lodibar. That's the place of pastureless land. You'll find that's the meaning of Lodibar. And I want to tell you this morning, first off, that, that Mephibosheth, he is lame from a fall. Y'all all right with this thing hitting with that? Okay, I ain't scaring you. I know some folks like to sleep at our church and I wear it high and that way if it hits real loud, Brother Garrett wakes them up and, and there's a man in the back row that always sleeps and when I hit that real loud, he, and I, you know, you wonder what's going on. He might got the Spirit of God already right there in the back. And uh, so if it hits real hard and you're sleeping, I'm sorry, uh, but you'll get back to sleep real quick. Preaching some of the best thing to ever put anything to sleep. I, I get my children and we got a lot of young people in church and a lot of children and at the end of service, there's parents packing two or three children out on each shoulder, and I'm selling CDs in the back for night sleeping medicine. Amen. And, and, uh, but Mephibosheth is lame. He's crippled. I want you to notice he's lame from a fall. In and, and, uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 5, the Bible talks about how news has came and, and how Saul and Jonathan's died. And now the nurse that is entrusted with the life of Mephibosheth begins to flee. For she knows, uh, according to that Old Testament covenant, that Old Testament law, uh, the Old Testament way, uh, uh, you can see how anybody who would take a throne uh, and succeed to the throne and they would come uh, to be the king, uh, they would try to wipe out the line of those uh, of the, another bloodline that they wouldn't have to look over their shoulders you can look back in history and see that happen and she's thinking that may happen to Mephibosheth so she takes off with him and entrusted with his life she falls and now because of her fall Mephibosheth is lame on both feet you can read it in 2 Samuel uh, just uh, keep us up to date and try to go back I'm, this is a three part series I'm going to preach in one part alright everybody okay with that it's uh, 10 to 12, we'll get out maybe 10 to 12 tonight. Everybody all right with church? Amen. One fella shook me off back here. He's hungry already. I'm feeling you. I'm all right too, brother. I'm with you. And uh, so he's crippled from a fall. He's lame from a fall, but he's crippled from this fall, and it was not a self-inflicted fall. Mephibosheth had nothing to do with this crippling that was done in his body. He was, uh, it was not self-inflicted. What it was was somebody was trusted with his life, and she failed. Does that remind you of something in your life this morning? How all of humanity was trusted in the life of Adam and in the life of Eve, and they failed. They sinned in the garden, and because of their sin, now we're all sinners. Uh, uh, the wages of sin is death. We know that. But it's all uh, death that's passed upon all men because of Adam. Romans teaches us that. This morning you are lame on both feet. You cannot get to God in and of your own self. You cannot make it to heaven on your own good works. There's none good. No, not one. The Bible's clear about it. This morning you are crippled from a fall. I am crippled from a fall. It's not self inflicted but it was a self inflicting wound because of this crippleness in Mephibosheth's life he could not uh, get up and go and do he could not on his own merits uh, do anything of his own self everything that Mephibosheth had done for him somebody else had to do he was self inflicting he is uh, mindful of this 
this every time he wakes up in the morning, he's mindful of his crippledness. He's mindful of that lameness. He's mindful of his inability. He's mindful that he cannot help his own self. And inside of his mind, he's inflicting pain. Does it not remind you of the day that you realized you was a sinner and you realized that you was born shaping in iniquity and, mo- and sin did your mother conceive you? Do you understand this morning that it is a self-inflicting wound uh, that we have in our own self? Every man's drawn away with his own lust and enticed. Are you, not, are you mindful of that this morning? Do you know that? That lust and sin is all because of that fall that mankind fell into. When you take a, a drink of liquor and you become an alcoholic and when you shoot up with drugs and you become a, a doper and when you uh, give in to fornication and, and the lust of the flesh and you become a for all these things. Do y'all have those problems up here in Pennsylvania? Or is it just South Mississippi? Do you battle with your own flesh? As Paul said, oh wretched man, man that I am. He said, that which I would do, I don't. And that which I would not, I do. I, he, he finds that inward struggle. Do, does anybody up here relate to that? Does your eyes wonder? Does your ears incline to, uh, to, uh, to uh, fleshly desires? Are your hands more apt to uh, do things that they should not do? Or, uh, am I by myself up here? It is that we are self-inflicting our wounds. Listen to me. You've got to crucify this old flesh. I am wicked in my own self. One man said, if you knew me like I know me, you wouldn't even want to sit here and listen today. And I'd say amen. And if I knew you like you know you, I wouldn't even want to preach to you. Amen. But listen to me, we are all, everybody from the back row to the pulpit, we're all crippled from the fall. We're all lame on both feet. We're all self-inflicted, uh, self-inflicting wounds. We all give in to that, that lust. We all fall every day, but thank God we got an advocate with the Father. Thank God he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all iniquity. Ain't you glad for your King James Bible? Amen. Amen. It's not, it's not self-inflicted, but it is self-inflicting. This wound does uh, carry an open scar that's uh, very easily uh, drawn away. It is not self-fixable. He cannot relate to his own self or rely on his own self to fix his crippleness. But thank God in all this lameness and all this, uh, uh, this crippleness, Mephibosheth had somebody who was thinking about him not only was he lame on both feet, not only was he lame from afar, but he was loved from afar. Amen? Y'all can help me right there now. Loved from afar. Thank God I was loved from afar. Thank God the Lord thought of me from a long way away. Came right, sent somebody right where I was at, saved me by his marvelous grace. He was loved from afar. Now David's in Jerusalem. He's ascended to the kingdom. He's taken the throne. Uh, it is now the throne of David and he's mindful of Jonathan. He's mindful. He says, is there anybody for Jonathan's sake? And down in Lodibar, some 70 miles, I believe it is, from Jerusalem to Lodibar is where Mephibosheth is. And there's one named Ziba, a type of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Aren't you glad for the Bible terminology? Don't be scared of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
Just because that word's been compromised and there's some folks that went crazy and, and took it completely out of biblical perspective, let's not be ashamed to thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Know you're not your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. You're bought with a price, your body's not your own. Amen? He's a temple that you can, there is this Holy Ghost, there is a Holy Ghost of God that works inside your life, led by the scriptures and the spirit of God. They never go contrary one to another. Amen. Uh, had that picture of Ziba, pictures the Holy Ghost, but Mephibosheth here is lame from afar, but he's loved from afar. Listen to all these things that's happening right here. As we look in the passage, you'll see uh, that Mephibosheth had no merits enticing the love of David. David has become uh, mindful of Mephibosheth from a long ways away. Matter of fact, Mephibosheth didn't even know that David was thinking about him. He didn't even know that the king on his throne was a thinking about a little old cripple down in a pastureless land, hiding, running for his life. He had no motive, no merits. There was nothing in and of Mephibosheth to ever think that David would be mindful of him. No merits enticing his love. There was nothing about Mephibosheth that he could offer David that would ever entice David to love him. He could not be a mighty soldier, a mighty man of valor. He could have not been one of David's mighty men who would slay a giant. He could not be that one who'd storm the enemy's line to get him a drink of water. He could not be, he could not be a cupbearer. He could not be somebody. He couldn't even be the jester in the kingdom. He was, he was a lame cripple. He had nothing to entice David to love him. You know, uh, Jesus and God the Father on the throne today, there's nothing in and of our own selves that would ever entice God to love us. You can offer God nothing this morning that would ever cause him to say, well, I, I ought to save him. Now we've seen our brothers a little bit taller than me, a grandson playing basketball. If I was picking a team, I'd pick him. Say amen. Let Brother Gary be the coach. If I was picking a team, I'd pick him. He's tall. He fits the athletic scale. I want to play him one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to see what he's got. I'm 33, and uh, I used to play a lot, Brother Gary, and I liked it a little bit. I, I don't play much anymore. I, I'm bum knees, ankles. I got every excuse you want to hear why well, I ain't good no more. And I'll give them quick. Amen. But if I was picking a team, I'd pick him. Listen to me. Salvation don't work like that. God don't look at you and say, well, he's, he's a good singer, she's a good singer, he prays or he studies, he reads. No, 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 salvation don't work. There's nothing that entices God to love us uh, and save the covenant that was made long before you and I ever was born. That what was getting David, I don't want to get ahead of myself, there's no, no merits enticing his love, no motive that would ever draw David to love Jonathan. There's no motive, no, no enticing that would ever get David's attention. No merits, no motive, no reason that, that, that Mephibosheth could ever think that David would love him. I done told you, if anything, the king's bringing judgment and wrath. If anything David deserves to do, he deserves to come down there and wipe out the line of Saul. And that's what Mephibosheth thinks he ought to get. 
what am I but such a dead dog? You, you realize the terminology right there? What am I but such a dead dog? There's no motive that would ever give Mephibosheth any reason to think that David should ever love him. And then there's no method to exchange the love. If he does come down there and he does love him, what can he ever give him back? Nothing. Listen to me, the only reason the king is thinking about Mephibosheth is because of Jonathan. Long before there ever was a Mephibosheth, there was a Jonathan, and there was a covenant between Jonathan and a covenant between David that was made, and he said, don't let any judgment pass upon my house. You remember me, David. He said, I remember you. There was a covenant made. Do you know that the only thing that God did uh, to give you any mind today is because there was a covenant between his son Jesus, God the Father, and God the Son came together, and he was, the Bible says it clearly, he said he's a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. There was a covenant made before ever there was an earth, before there ever was a mud box that we live before God ever spoke into existence the world before he ever carved out the rivers before he ever measured in the palm of his hands the ocean before he ever plucked up the mountains before he ever slung the stars into the night sky there was a covenant between the father and the son in an eternal glory world he, he said I'll go I'll be the lamb slain for all before there ever was a sin paid on this world before there ever was a partaking of the fruit that was a lamb slain. That's the provision of God, the sovereignty of God, the omniscience of God, knowing that man would fall and yet in his grace and his mercy, he loved us anyhow. Boy, if we'd ever listened to me, we as Baptist folks all the time, we claim to have the right doctrine. I believe it. I believe Bibles. I believe Baptist doctrine is right doctrine. We'll argue, I'll, I'll die on that battlefield. We believe the Bible's, we believe salvation's true. Thank God we believe eternal security. You'll find it in the passage too, continually, always. He'll always sit at my table, be as a son. We believe in eternal security and thank God for the eternal security of the soul of a believer. But I believe we missed it on worship sometimes, Brother Gary. I believe we straight missed it sometimes. We're some of the coldest, quietest congregations, and, and I'm talking about from South Mississippi to Maine. We're some of the coldest people, and if we claim that God loved us the way the Bible teaches that he loved us, if we claim that Jesus took all our sins, uh, imputed on himself all of our sin, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He imputed his righteousness upon us, and we became the sons of God. Uh, if we look at that parable of the prodigal son and thank God for the robe and the ring and the, uh, the, the shoes, uh, all those great things, that ribeye, amen, they they slew the, they, they killed the fatted calf. Somebody help me. And, and we get it. We know all these things, but yet we're so cold. Uh, we're so callous to worship today. David danced before the Lord. Uh, he leapt with joy. He said, enter into the gates with thanksgiving and the courts with praise. Uh, he said, lifting up holy hands. He said, clapping the congregation. Uh, hey, hey, I think we ought to get a little excited today uh, about what God 
God and His grace and what God and His mercy has done for you and done for me. He was mindful of us long before we ever were. And I know my English may not be right, but I notice y'all are real good at English and I'm real bad. Amen. But it's okay. If we claim to know all these things, I mean, Baptist doctrine, Bible doctrine, salvation eternally, heaven, my home, hell I don't even have to worry about. I don't, my toes will never touch a flame of fire in hell. I won't even smell like smoke. Amen. This is the closest thing to hell I'll ever go through, but we ought to rejoice. And knowing that we is just a crippling loaded bar, love from afar, that on the throne in heaven's eternal world, God was mindful of you and he was mindful of me. Thank God that he loves us today with a love that passes all knowledge and all understanding. I was crippled down in loaded bar. I was lame on both feet. Listen to me. As a young boy, a 10 years old, beside a queen-size bed in 66 Holloman Cemetery Road, Carrier, Mississippi, you wouldn't know where to start to find it today. But God in an eternal world knew exactly where I was at, knew exactly what I was going through, and he sent Ziba, that picture of the Holy Ghost on a Wednesday night, preacher preaching on hell. Amen. Thank God for that. Preaching on hell, and God got big on my heart, and the conviction of God got to working in me and drawing in my heart and soul and wooing me unto salvation. He drew me. I went back home. I ran from God. I got in my bed. I said, I go to sleep. I won't have to worry about nothing. But you know what I found out right inside my bed? He was still there. He, was, he found me right where I was at. I mean, I like hog hunting with dogs. I like putting a cut in a cold track. I like to see the dog work it out. I like to bay him right in his face. I like to send the bulldogs, and I like to get in there with them. Amen? I mean, I like to get, we caught a 300-pound bar hog right before I came Saturday, big blue tush hog. I, I mean, it was on like Donkey Kong. Dog cold trailed out the box. We found a track. We done caught one. Sent him up through that holler and that heat. Well, I say holler. It ain't hollers now that I see hollers up here. But we went through the Shenandoah Mountains uh, Valley over there on the Blue, Blue Ridge Parkway or whatever it is. There's so many mountains up here. I don't know which one to keep up with. We only got one hill by the house. Put that track down, that dog, and he trailed out and he bayed up a little hedgerow right there and we sent the bulldogs. And you know when they hit, if there's not a squeal, this fussing be on. When you start here huffing, <laughs> it's on. He's got him and it's a begging. You crawling through briar patches, laid over trees, and you get in there and you grab him by the hocks and he, you can't put your hands around them back legs because they're so big. Amen. Bacon. Pork chops, ribs, ham. I mean, you got slobber hanging out your mouth before you ever get him killed. But that dog hold trailed all the way up there and got right up in his bay. That's right what God, I, listen to me, you thank God how you want to, but I think God got on my trail at church that day and followed me back home. I thought I could outrun him. I got in my bed. I went to my mama's room and they couldn't help me. We went to the preacher's house. He couldn't help me. I got down beside my bed when I got back home and I found the one who could. Amen. His name's Jesus. And if you're running from God this morning, you need to know you can't hide from him. There's not one crack 
crack and one crevice that he don't know. There's not no one river, no one stream that God will not cross to find you. He's not a quitter. He's not going to give up. God's after you. You might as well submit to the will of God and be saved by the good grace of God this morning. He cares for you now. He had no motive to expect his love, no method to exchange for it. David just knew that Ziba knew where he was at, and he sent him down there. You understand what's going on here? David has sent Ziba down to find Mephibosheth. He sent him down there to find out where he's at. Now, he knew at what house he was at. He knew what room he was in. Does that not sound like the Spirit of God? Uh-huh. He knows where you're at today. He knows what pew you're on this morning. He knew what Sunday school class you was in. When you got to church and you walked on the ground, he knew what car you was getting out of. Huh? He knows exactly. And when the king sends the Holy Ghost, when he sends Ziba to find you, you can guarantee there's going to be a knock on your door. And he found Ziba, found Mephibosheth. And when Mephibosheth heard the chariots coming, them sounds like the king's horses. He's finally found me. Judgment's now going to fall. I'm now going to die. But ain't you, ain't you glad? <laughs> ain't you glad when God came by your house and judgment should have failed? You should have died for the sins of this world and the sins in your life and the sin of my, I should have died, but thank God he didn't offer me the blade of death, but yet he offered me the life and life eternal that only the king could give. He said, surely he don't want me. Oh, yeah, he does, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth said, well, I can't come. Why? I'm a cripple. Lame well, on both feet. And ain't that just like Ziba to say, well, you know what? Just hold on to me and I'll carry you to him. Just wrap your arms up around me, Mephibosheth, and I'll carry you back to the king. And I can't help but think that maybe Mephibosheth... Had reached up and grabbed both arms around him. Ziba scooped him up, put him on that chariot. He said, I don't know the way. He said, I'll take you. I'll take you, and I'll show you. And he carried him back to the king's court. A crippled man in the face of a king. A crippled man. Before David saw he killed his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. What would make Mephibosheth think? That the sword wouldn't fall on him. It was just a good grace of God. Just a good grace of God. That's where we're all at this morning. You stand in condemnation, but the gift of grace is right here. I mean, the gift of grace is there. And if you want to stand in your own works, and your own, if you want to rebel against God, if you want to fight the Holy Ghost and grieve God and die an unrepentant, unregenerate sinner, you'll bust hell wide open. I still believe in a literal hell, a burning hell. You'll stand in condemnation. You'll die without God. But you'll have to step over the cross of Calvary, the blood of Jesus, the empty tomb, the resurrection. You have to step over all the free gift of God, the grace of God. You have to step over all that. He's lame from afar. He's loved from afar.
I don't know, maybe David, could you imagine the first time David seen Jonathan? Or David seen Mephibosheth? He might have looked at him and said, boy, he sure looks like Jonathan. And maybe when Jesus looks at us, or when the Father looks at us, he's mindful of a son who was created in his own image, his own likeness. He became flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Maybe it's reminded of his humanity of God. We heard about it in Sunday school this morning. It is today that he is lame from afar. He's love from afar. But notice what happens in the passage. He's now called to the king's table. He's bowed himself. He's made reverence to the king. He says, what am I doing here? David tells him, because of your father. I had a covenant with him. Now you can sit at my table continually. He said, I'll restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. He said, you can eat bread at my table continually. He said, as for Mephibosheth, thy master's son shall eat bread always at my table. Aren't you thankful for these words? Now, not only was he lame from afar, was he loved from afar, but now he's living by faith. And the just shall live by what? Faith, what the Bible teaches us. Hebrews 11 emphasizes faith, don't it? By faith Abraham, by faith Moses. Boy, I went to that tomb of the unknown soldiers uh, there at D.C. this week, Brother Gary, and my heart stirred big inside of me. Listen to me, I'm, I'm finna find something to preach on it. And the sweet spirit of God drew me to the end of Hebrews 11 by those that died in caves, such the world's not worthy to know their names. Listen to me, that... That unknown soldiers guarded by men day and night, all hours of the day. There's one sitting at his tomb guarded. They change out every 30 minutes right now. And you don't even know who's in that tomb. I went up there and there's another president was buried up there. And I wanted to pass by just to see if there's somebody guarding his tomb. Found out there wasn't nobody by his. It just makes me mindful of God thinking about the little man. Those that are, un listen to me, in this world, you might, I'm trying not to chase another rabbit and preach another sermon, but it's big on me. You might think you're not nobody and nothing, but God, if an unknown soldier can be guarded all hours of the day with reverence and respect, and you don't even know his name, what you think God does for folks like you and me, where we're not the big preachers, we're not mindful, everybody's not mindful of us, you're, you're, you're not even, a, you may not even be a preacher, you're just a layman. We don't know if that man was a corporal. We don't know if he was a general. We don't know what. We just know he's a soldier, and that's what we all ought to be, servants. He was living by faith. He was living by faith. He said, he should eat at my table continually. Listen to all. He said, he was living by faith. The just shall live by faith by what had been done. That covenant with David, that covenant that was supreme, that covenant that was secure and all these things in 1 Samuel chapter number 20 verse 16 where that covenant had been made. He was living by faith in that covenant. That's what we can live by today. By faith in the covenant that God the Father made with the Son. By who had done it? David. He is the king now. He's ascended to the throne. Christ our King of kings and Lord of lords. Nine times as the king mentioned, it's unsurmountable and is unbreakable in who he is and what he's able to do. He's the king. We can live by faith today according to who's done it, according to what's been done. 
the same one. I love this. I love this deal with Ziba, this picture here, and I hope it's coming out the way it's in my heart. And uh, it is this picture with Ziba being a type of the Holy Ghost and a shadow of the Spirit of God. He's the same one that went and got him, right? He knew where he was at down in Lodibar. He knew right where to find him. Right where he'd be at. He brings him back to the king's house. He sets him before David. Now David has entrusted Ziba with Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was once entrusted in the hands of one who let him fall. But now he's entrusted with, in another man's hand, in Ziba's hands, who will keep us from falling. That Spirit of God being led by the Spirit of God. He's the one that works in and of us, all those good things. He, he's in, now he's, what I'm telling you is he's not just the one who brought him to the king. Now he's the one who reminds him of the king every time he sees him. He's entrusted Ziba to take care of Mephibosheth. He's given him all the lands of Saul, all his farms, all his fields, but Mephibosheth cannot labor in those fields. He's lame. But he gave him one who would labor in the field. Ziba's now been entrusted to go. And, and now when the fruits come forth, all the land that is called Mephibosheth has now come forth, all the fruits brought in, and Mephibosheth's getting credit for what Ziba's done. Do you realize God working in of us if God uses us today, it's not because of us, but it's because who's in us. If God helps somebody in a song, if God helps somebody in a sermon, if God helps somebody in a testimony, it's not you and it's not me, but it's the one that works in and of us, the one who works in, who reminds you and reminds me of the king. Whoever time Mephibosheth looks in the field, he gets down because he's crippled, he gets down because he's lame. He looks in the field out the window and there's Ziba working in the field. There's Ziba providing. There's Ziba protecting. There's Ziba and all his sons. He, what I'm telling you, it's a picture of the infilling. It's a picture of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. You believe God took up permanent residence in your heart when you got saved? Amen. I believe it. It's what the Bible teaches. The indwelling Spirit of God. But I also believe it's a picture of the infilling Spirit of God. The Bible says, be not drunk in wine where it's in excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Now, there's not a lot of folks that believe that, but I believe it. You might not believe it. You can believe it. You know, at the end of the day, you, I'll leave here Friday and you, you'll be back to everything that you do. And praise God for what you do. You stay in faithful. Stay on the wall. But I believe it's a picture of them feeling. He says, be not drunk with wine, words of excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. That means you could be low, right? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Every time, every time Mephibosheth got to looking in that field, he'd see Ziba working. And it reminded him of the king. You ought to listen this morning. You ought to understand something. There is a sweet Spirit of God that resides inside of each and every one of us that's been saved by God's grace. And we ought to thank God for him this morning. He was crippled from a fall. He's lame. Lame from a fall. He's loved from a fall. But now he's living by faith. Listen to me this morning. That's the way we ought to all live. Live by faith. Live by faith. Have you ever been saved this morning? You know the sweet grace of God and the sweet spirit of God. Listen to me. In, an, 
in everybody's home this morning, you ought to self-evaluate yourself. What a day. What a day to be saved. What a day to get saved. Starting off Jubilee this week. What would it be to kick off with somebody getting born again? That's what Mephibosheth experienced. It's like he had a new life. No longer lame in Lodi Bar. No longer down in the pastureless land. He's got bread to eat every day. Every me- he don't miss a meal. He's living a new life. Listen to me. Are you lame this morning? You cripple on both feet? You living in the lust of the flesh, the enticements of the eye? Are you inflicting those wounds and those open wounds from Adam's fall? Is it now blooming and blossoming in your heart today? Is it become such a lifestyle that you're overcome with evil? Your mind's weary, you're tired, you're worn out, you're living down in Lodibar. There's nothing for you there. Nothing for you there. I want you to know that there's a king in heaven's eternal glory world. There's a God, a thrice holy God, sitting on his throne with all the heavenly hosts around him, cherubims, seraphims, all those ones who's gone on to be with the Lord today, they're all around the throne. They're all there. John said around the throne, they was there seated thousands upon thousands, yea, tens of thousands. They're, they're all there. But yet he's mindful of you today. A lost man in Lodibar, a lost woman in Lodibar. We had a little girl get saved just the other day, Brother Gary. Had three get saved on a Sunday morning. They got, it was one of them services. One of them services, just a great service. It's great when one gets saved, but it magnifies when another gets saved and another gets saved. I'm not bad about one getting saved. I'm not, oh man, one person got saved this morning. I'm not that guy. Somebody gets saved, we're going to kick our shoes off. Three people get saved, I'm going to take my coat off and I'm going to make it a helicopter around my head. We're going to shout down the aisle. Something to be excited about. A little girl got saved. She was 11 years old. Came up to the altar after church was over. Everybody done started out. And she come up to me. She said, can I talk to you, preachers? First time she'd come to our church. And I said, you sure can, sweetie? What's going on? She said, well, how can it be that somebody can be so far from God that it hurts when they try to get close to him? This is an 11-year-old girl. Young girl, I'm thinking to myself, how in the world does she even know how to talk like that? She said, it literally hurts me to get close. I said, that's the conviction of God drawing you. And that's the rebellion of the flesh trying to run away. It's a good thing when you ought to crawl up in the king's, at the king's feet and realize that you're nothing but a dead dog. I said, I said the Lord loves you. And he'll save you this morning. He said, I've never been saved. I said, well, you do business with the Lord. We'll get down here to the altar. I'll pray and you pray. And I got to pray and I, listen to me. I believe it ought to be intimate inside the person that gets saved. I believe it ought to be them that get saved, not me talking them into being saved. Amen. I believe it's intimate. I believe it's inwardly. I believe it's God that does that work, that works in and of us. And I got up from praying, and I sat there for a minute. She was still praying, talking to God. She got up, big old tears in her eyes. 
I said, you talk with the Lord, you do business with God? She said, yes, sir. I said, what happened? She said, I just got saved. Big old tears running down her eyes. I said, boy, it don't hurt to come to him no more, does it? It ain't painful when you come to him. You're a son now. You're not cast out in a foreign land. You're not living down in Lodi Bar, but it feels good now that you can walk in the presence of the king and you can make your petitions and requests known unto God and know that he cares. You can cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you. She come back the next Sunday and she made me one of them little bracelets out of rubber bands. And she gave me that little box. She said, here, preacher, I made you something. And there's four or five of them bracelets in there. I said, is this, is this for me? You want me to give them to somebody? She said, no, I want you to pick one out. And I, boy, I'm carnal. I'm wicked. My flesh is, I mean, I hate myself sometimes. You understand that? My flesh is just, and I got to thinking myself, if I get one of these rubber bands out and I put it on my wrist, what's the, what's the sanctified brethren going to think about me? Wearing a bracelet, supposed to be a man of God. Rubber band at that, I'll be pop somebody with it preaching. Folks ain't sleeping up. <sighs> Got in trouble substitute teaching one time. They made what they called a hornet with the rubber band. They rolled the paper up. And they, there's one little boy that was kept doing it. And I got mad at him. I was substitute teaching. Rolled me up one time. I was in school too at one time. Amen. I didn't get to come back substitute teaching anymore. <laughs> Don't entrust me with the youth group. I'm getting in it with them. <laughs> she gave me that little rubber band, and I thought to myself, what and I put it on my wrist. I brought it back in there, and I wore it all service. Man, I preached like, who, who cares if you see my green and blue rubber band? And I went in my office, and I put it in my office. I got little notes, Brother, Brother Gary, from a little boy in North Mississippi where I served in the church, got saved. We went to eat one night at a little fish house, and he wrote on there, Brother Cody, I love you. And I got it stuck to my missionary board in my office. And I got little pictures from all the little kids in children's church, and they color their pictures during Sunday school, and they come out and they say, here, preacher, here's your a picture. And they give me them pictures, and boy, I shove them down. I got older that wide, colored outside the line pictures, different colors don't even match, all because God's doing something in them little children's heart. And I don't want them to ever come to a preacher and think that they can't come to God because the preacher's so far away that he can't be approached. That same Sunday, we had a little girl. She was she's seven years old. Brother Brad, our deacon, one of our preachers in our church, his little girl. I was sitting in my chair on, on the platform. The kids know not to run up on the platform, you know, we in, especially in church. You know, we, we, that's the platform. We, we have in church, you know, let's be reverent to the house of God. She run up on the platform. I knew what was going on. She come up there and hugged me. Said, well, Cody, I need to get saved. I said, you know about Jesus? You know about hell? She said, yes, sir. I said, you know about sin? Yes, sir. I said, if you died, why, where would you go? She said, I'd go to hell. I said, why? She said, because I'm a sinner. I said, well, let's work it out right now. She got down and got saved. But I don't want to ever think that they can't approach Papa or the preacher. My little girl, Finley, she's over here. She got saved. Back in February, come out of Sunday school. We've been talking about salvation for about a year. And I was sitting on the front row trying to get everything ready. I got to get my bulletin ready. I got to get everything, all my out and everything. You know, preacher, we got to have everything in line. I mean, she said, Papa, I need to get saved. And I said, Why do you need to get saved? She said, Because I don't want to go to hell. 
said, well, why would you go there? She said, because I'm a sinner. And I said, well, you sure ain't got to go to hell today, family. I've been praying for it for about a year. I'm getting out of my own way. We got down in the altar and prayed. Missed the whole, whole singing service. We in the altar praying. Get up, the choir singing their special. We done sang all, took up an offering. Me and her's down in the altar praying. She's quoting Romans chapter 10. She knows more Bible than half every church member does. Got saved. Listen to me this morning. You need to get saved. You need to get born again. You live in lame and loaded bar. You cripple on both feet. I want you to know you can't get to him by yourself. But there's a sweet spirit of God to draw you right to it. Brother, Brother Billy Kelly said it best. He said, I got saved. He said, the man told me if I'd step out of my pew, God would carry me the whole way there. And he said he sure did. This morning, the same thing happened for you that happened to everybody else that ever come to God by Christ Jesus. Killing no wise, cast them out. We stand together. Brother Gary, you come. Handle invitation however you want to do it. The Lord loves you. Amen. If the Lord's dealing with you this morning, this is the time to respond to him. It's not the time to wait or put it off. It's not the time to set it aside. If the Lord's dealing with you today, whether you're saved and you know the Lord's moving upon your life or something in your life, or whether you're here today and you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, you ought to make it right with the Lord. Dear Lord, we pray that during this invitation that you'd touch hearts and move upon lives. Lord, your word has surely been preached today and salvation has been made plain. Somebody here today needs Jesus. Oh, Lord, may they not turn away. Somebody here today needs salvation. They need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to flood into their life. They need forgiveness. They need cleansing. They need love. They need forgiveness. Lord, may they walk this aisle today and be saved. We'll be careful to give you the praise for we make this prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. While we sing together, what shall we say? How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He would give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How Searing loss, the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Be sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scars